Well, clap your hands to the Lord. Somebody lift your voice and give God praise. If God's been good to you, you ought to just thank him right now. Give him praise. Give him glory. Give him honor. He's worthy. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. 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 If you have your Bibles tonight, the book of Psalms, chapter 37. If you don't have your Bibles, we're still going to the book of Psalms, chapter 37. And uh, I want to say what an honor and privilege it is to be here tonight. I love this church. And I love what it stands for. I love having good Holy Ghost Church. And there's no substitute anywhere throughout the world. And what I have learned is that evidently, I mean, it's very, y'all have to work with me some. It takes me a little longer to learn stuff than it does other people. But I've seen through the years that everybody does it different. But at the same time, they do it all the same. And so every church is going to have its own culture and going to have its own way of doing things, but it's all for the magnification of the one true living God. And that's what we're here to do on a Sunday night. Hey, I'll tell you what, the world's got their night. They always talk about Friday night this, Friday night that. They ain't seen anything till they showed up at an apostolic church on a Sunday night. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, man, I love you, Brother Moore. I give you honor tonight and appreciate you. And uh, just thankful for the day that God allowed our paths to cross. And, uh, and just friendship was started. And I can't wait to see throughout the years where God is going to take us together. Psalms chapter 37, verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delighteth in his way, though he fall. He shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth with his hand. And David writes, some probably would say of the most famous words of his life, as he would say, I have been young and am now old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. And I want to preach to us tonight. I, I would try to be... Uh, correct in, in English and all that kind of stuff, but I'm in Bendale tonight, so I can just be myself. And uh, so I just want to preach to you tonight the simple thought, shoulda, coulda, woulda, but didn't. How about it? You going to help me preach? Let's lift our hands together and ask the Lord to help us. God, we love you. We thank you. We worship you. Give you glory. Give you honor. God, there's nobody like you in heaven or in earth. God, you're so good. You're good and your mercy endureth forever. We praise you, God, right now because we know that you do all things well. We know that you're working in this house. Even now, God, you're working in this house. And we believe you, God, to do it, to do a work, to work a miracle in this place tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord one more time if you believe God can still work miracles, signs, and wonders. In this house. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. Somebody put your voice with it while you're clapping your hands. Bless the name of the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Come on. Why don't you let your soul make her boast right now? Woo! Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You may be seated as long as you promise to help me preach. If you're not going to help me, please remain standing so everybody can pick at you. I'm kidding. There are a few things that we have to put in perspective. And I know you've heard me say this a lot through, well, I guess it'd be through the years at this point. I've been coming here a couple years now. And, and that is that Scripture in every point, every text, every word has to be put into context. Meaning simply that you cannot, you cannot take one Scripture and build a full uh, thesis from that one Scripture. That is the epitome of false doctrine because that's what someone living in false doctrine most of the time will do. And so we must put in context all Scripture, for we know that all Scripture is given by inspiration of the Holy Ghost. There are a few things in context to put in here, and one is simply who is writing this and the perspective that he is writing from. It is evident that David is the author and we know from the verbiage that he is using here that he is an older man looking back over his life. When he says, I once was young, but I am now old, he is letting you know that I see things differently than I once seen them. I understand a lot more than I did when I was a young man. And as he is looking over his life, again, we've got to put this into context and watch as David writing us this psalm. And Psalm chapter 37 would begin with these words, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. He is telling us in the form of a song to keep our eyes, Pastor Moore, in the right place. He's telling us to align ourselves with the house of God. Can I take my time tonight? And as he's doing that, he is reminding us that if you watch the wicked, most probably you will be depressed and you will look and be oppressed as you realize that sometimes good things happen to bad people. And sometimes the people that deserve it the least get the most. And sometimes, I don't know how it is in Bendale, but that's how it looks at my house sometimes. When, when I look around and here I am, God, doing my best to live for you, I, I worship and I give and I believe. And yet it seems as if the ones that don't believe and the ones that don't worship and the ones that, don't be, or that are not faithful to church are the ones that are continually being blessed so uh, it is here that David is telling us fret not thyself because of the evildoers and he's telling us not to pay attention to the workers of iniquity because he understands that from 
the outside looking in that sometimes the wicked have more money and they have nicer vehicles and they have nicer car they have nicer homes to live in and they they have all of the things that so sad can make the world go round again this is age david who understands because at, at times uh, he has been envious of the workers of iniquity and he's telling you that all that ever got me was heartache and pain because i understand he, he's kind of writing what asaph would write when asaph would pin the words my feet almost nigh slipped uh, when i saw the prosperity of the wicked he said, I've been looking at the wrong things. I, I've, I've been seeing something. But can I tell you today that the, about the wicked? Can I tell you something about them? Is that it's simply that money doesn't fill the void on the inside. Houses and land does not give them peace of mind and peace in their marriage and, and peace in their children. I, I'm going to tell you, stocks and bonds of, are worth millions of dollars can't fulfill what you can feel in the house of God on a Sunday night. I'm here to tell you right now, if, if money fixed it, why are they still drinking themselves into a drunken stupor? If money fixed it, uh, why are they still ad addicted to drugs and alcohol? If, if money and, and, and Material things fixed it. Why are they on the third marriage and that one's on the rocks? And money fixed it. Then why do they have to continually go to the shrink and lay down on the same couch and talk about the same problem? David had a revelation uh, that you need to get that wickedness uh, will not fix your problems, uh, but worship uh, can fix your problems. Uh, David had the revelation uh, that wickedness isn't going to get me nowhere, uh, but I can go to the house of God uh, and I I can find something. Oh, I wish I had somebody help me preach right now. I, I can find something uh, in the house of God uh, that's better than the house, uh, that's better than the car, uh, that's better than the big bank account. Uh, it's joy uh, unspeakable uh, and it's full of glory. Uh, and the half uh, has yet to be told. Uh, I'm going to tell you, your wickedness can't put your broken marriage back together again. Uh, but the God that I'm worshiping can. Uh, your wickedness can't fix your depression but if you can come to the house of God on a Sunday night and lift up holy hands God can come down and overtake your wickedness and your depression hallelujah worship will do for you oh I feel like preaching this worship will do for you what nothing else in this world can do for you. Say, well, I, I don't know if I believe that. Well, you're, th those are normally the kind of people that ain't never moved the muscle. Oh, well, help me, Jesus. I'm feeling a meddling spirit get on me right now. Well, I, I don't think it takes all of that. Yeah, you stay there in your depression and you stay there in your chaos uh, and your kids are always in a mess uh, and your marriage is always in a mess. Uh, honey, don't knock it till you try it. Uh, I'm telling you, you can find joy uh, in the house of God uh, like you can't find anywhere else in the world. I don't come to church and worship because I have to. I do it because I know it connects me to something that's greater than what I can do on my own. Because you look at me right now. I'm a misfit. I'm a no good. Without the Holy Ghost, I'm the least likely to succeed. But thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. I've got a reason to shout. I've got a reason to dance.
That's why I'm not ashamed of the gospel. That's why I'm not ashamed to run the aisles. That's why I'm not ashamed to leap for joy. It's this Holy Ghost business that saved me. It's this Holy Ghost business that changed my life. And so, with that in context, he begins to read. He begins to write. So he says, delight thyself also in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of thine heart. Commit thy ways unto the Lord. Trust also in him. And he shall bring it to pass. The reason David says simply, trust also in him. Delight also thyself. He, he, he's talking, he's trying to drive a point home to you. And he's, he's an older man. Now understand, as an old man, David's got it pretty good. As an old man, now we know David has some struggles when he was a young man. But God's been good to David. David's sitting here on a gold throne with any kind of suit and tie he can imagine. He's got the nicest chariot in the kingdom. He's got anything you could possibly want. And David says, delight thyself also in the Lord. You know what he's saying? It's been working for me. You look at everything I got, and you think I got here on my own? No, David said, I didn't get here on my own. Have I been a warrior? Absolutely. Have I had a sword in my hand my entire life? Absolutely. But the reason I'm here today and the reason I'm blessed the way I'm blessed is because I delighted myself in the Lord and he gave me the desires of my heart. I committed my way unto the Lord and he brought my, my desires to pass. I'm going to tell you tonight, you may not live in a mansion on a hill, but if you delight yourself in the Lord, there'll be blessings that you don't qualify for. There'll be blessings that you don't deserve. There'll be blessings that you there's no way you can get it on your own. But because you delighted yourself in the Lord, God takes care of his people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm, 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 I'm going to brag a little bit. I'm not bragging on myself. I'm going to brag on Jesus for a minute. You see that nice 2020 truck I'm driving? Thank God it's a Chevrolet that I'm driving outside. You want to know how I got that? God gave that to me. You see this suit I got on? I ain't, I, I, I'm a very simply educated young man. I don't have a very good education. But the reason that God has opened doors for me is because I figured out a long time ago if I'll delight myself in the Lord, He'll give me the desires of my heart and the blessings that come with living for God will overtake. I'm just going to tell you, I'm not bragging on me, I'm bragging on Jesus. You're looking at a young man that at 30 years old has literally preached to thousands at one time. And you want to know how that happened? It wasn't because I'm smart. It wasn't because I got it all figured out. It's because as a little boy, my mama and daddy taught me, if you'll put God first in everything, God will turn it around and he'll give it back to you, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. I don't deserve what I got. That's why I act like a 
fool when I come to church. That's why I act like I lost my mind because I know it's because I delighted myself. Getting this far is because I praise him. Getting this far is because I put him first. And if it got me this far, I'm going to keep on walking on because I know it'll take me all the way. If you don't believe me, listen, this is money back guaranteed. This comes with a lifetime warranty. You can't break it. If you don't believe what I'm preaching to you right now, try it. And if it don't work, God will give you your money back. He'll give you everything back you put into it. I promise you. If it don't work for you, God will he'll, he'll refund you 100%. But I ain't never found anybody that really put God first and came to the house of God and gave it everything they had, every service, that God didn't just open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that they could not. It's the law of the harvest. If you bless him, he'll bless you. David is talking from the perspective of a king that has been a shepherd a king that has been a soldier a king that has been a castaway a king that's, that, that's been an outlaw on the run and David's writing from the perspective of a man that understands in spite of all this God's been good. And so he says, you know what? I'm not going to give you seven steps to a better you. You want to be like me? You want to be blessed like I'm blessed? You want to walk where I'm walk? You want to be a king and a priest? I wish I had time to preach this all the way into the New Testament. You, you, you want to be blessed like I am? Then do what I did. He said, because I, I ain't always been this king. I know what it's like to hide in the cave of Adullam with somebody chasing me, trying to kill me. I know what it's like to sit on the backside of a desert somewhere watching my daddy's sheep. But the reason I got here is because I delighted myself in the... There's no seven steps to a better you. There's no books to read. Just put your faith and your hope and your praise. Everything you got, put it in the Lord. Put it in the trust of the Lord. basically telling us, look, this stuff works and the proof's in the pudding. This stuff works and I'm a living testament, David's telling us that it works. So as he continues, he begins to tell us that though the, the, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord and, and God is looking down and watching as this Good man walks. Though he shall fall, he shall not utterly be cast down. He's telling us this is the best decision I ever made. He says because even when you mess up, God don't throw you away. Living for God is the best decision I ever made because, because even when I, when, I, when I did do evil, he picked me up and he washed me off and he forgave me and he... He gave me another chance. You don't believe that? Go read the life of David. David did some dumb stuff. 
And David says, though he, though he fails, he shall not utterly be cast away. And this is where we get to what we're going to preach tonight. I, I ain't preaching yet. I'm starting, though. I'm feeling my Holy Ghost Wheaties right now. He says, I have been young, and I am now old, and I have never seen the righteous forsaken. What's interesting about this to me, Brother Moore, is that David is at the end of his life. He's an old man. David has a lot to talk about. Some would say that this is one of the very last psalms that David would write. And, and as you get that revelation, you would love to sit down and, with the aged David and say, Man, what was it like to see the giant fall? Because David could have talked about that. David could have talked about killing 200 Philistines just for the hand of a woman that he didn't even know. He went out and killed 200 men just so he could marry the king's daughter. He, he could have talked about the lion and the bear, but David doesn't talk about any of that. David talks, and he, he says, you know what, let me just tell you this. The most powerful stuff that happened in the kingdom while I was alive was not the stuff I seen, but the stuff I didn't see. Some of y'all going to get this here in a minute. He says, I, I can tell you about all the stuff that I seen happen. But that doesn't blow my mind as much as the stuff that should have happened but didn't happen. What, what, what blows my mind is as David is writing this, he, he could have told an in-depth account of watching the stone leave his sling and find its mark. And he, he could have given us an, an in-depth account of, of feeling the ground shake as Goliath hit his face. But that's not what David does. Uh, David says, I'm going to tell you the greatest testimony I have. Uh, it's not what I did see, uh, but it's what I didn't see. Uh, yes, I've seen giants fall. Uh, yes, I've I've seen lions killed uh, and bears slain with just my hands. Uh, but I'm here to tell you what blows my mind. Uh, what got David uh, in a place of question uh, was how in the world uh, could this God that's been so good, uh, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken one time uh, or a seed begging for bread. Uh, David said there's a lot of stuff that should have happened uh, and there's a lot of stuff that could have happened. Uh, there's even some stuff that would have happened. Uh, but God uh, stepped in. And God said no. And God. Can I tell you that in your own way you got the same story that David had because you're not supposed to be here. You're not supposed to be in the church. You're not supposed to be in your right mind. Your marriage isn't supposed to still be intact. Your children shouldn't be sitting on the pew next to you. But God, but God, but God, but God. But God, who is rich in mercy, but God, that makes a way out of no way. I'm here tonight to tell you that sometimes you ought to just thank you for the stuff that didn't happen. That should have happened. You should have died in that car wreck. You should have OD'd on drugs. But God. I wish there'd be somebody right now that would praise him just because you know you're not supposed to be here but the mercy of God kept you. You're not supposed to be in your right mind but the mercy of God. 
I look around, and there's testimonies in this house tonight of people that came with, with, with that came to church, and their world was in a whirlwind. And I look and say, they shouldn't be here. Brother Moore, you know the good people of this church better than I do. And I'm sure if I were to give you this microphone, you could give the percentages of people in this church that by man's accounting shouldn't be sitting on a Pentecostal pew. Matter of fact, they should be in jail. Matter of fact, they should be in a courtroom. Matter of fact, they should be in, oh, help me God. They should be in a casket somewhere right now. And, and if the devil got his way, you... David said, I'm thankful for what I did see. But what makes me really thankful is what I didn't see. Because David was on a straight line to destruction. And the path was laid out that David should have died an early death. But God kept David. And God's been keeping you. And God's been keeping your family. And God... You got a reason to shout on a Sunday night. You got a reason to rejoice on a Sunday night. God has been good to you. David tells us, he says, I know I ain't supposed to be here. Because my own king, here, here, here's, this is interesting to me. After David kills Goliath, the Bible says that he is anointed as the, the armor bearer of Saul. But you see, Saul's anointing that he put on David wasn't as strong as God's anointing that God put on David. God put an anointing on David's life before he ever showed up at the battlefield. It was to be the next king of Israel. Saul has anointed him to be an armor bearer, but God has anointed him to be a king. That's why you got to be careful to walk in God's anointing and not man's anointing. Because if you walk in man's anointing, you'll sell yourself short of what you could be. Because everybody has their idea of what you should be. But God says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. And, and, and all man wants you to be is an armor bearer. But I got more than just an armor bearer anointing for you. I've got something that will make you a king. And, and what's interesting about this to me is when Saul dies. You go read your Bible. When Saul is slain, who's killed with him? His armor bearer. By all rights, Brother Ford, that's supposed to be David. David was the anointed armor. Go read your Bible. David was the anointed armor bearer of Saul. When Saul died, David was supposed to die. Should have. Could have. Probably would have. But God. He was walking down a path with destiny. David would have died somewhere about 22 years old. David should have died, if, 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 if history serves us correctly, he would have been about 22 years old when an Amalekite stuck a spear through him as he killed the king Saul. He'd have been about 22 years old. And the years of ministry of music and the years of the prophetic and the messianic prophecies that are in the book of Psalms would have never came to pass. And But so when God looked at David, he said, no, you can't walk in that anointing. 
before Saul ever gets there, I'm sending a Samuel to you and Samuel's going to anoint you because I've got something that I want you to walk in that is greater than man's anointing because i got a plan for you. You ain't going to die at 22 years old. You're not going to die in a battlefield. But boy, i got a calling for you that's going to take you into your old age. This thing is going to last for years and years and years to come. What's, what's interesting about the anointing of, 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 of the, the, the differences in the anointing, of, I don't know, I've said some of this here before, but just let me preach some of this out of my spirit. What, what's, what's interesting about the differences in the anointings between Saul and David, the Bible says that David is anointed with a ram's horn and Saul is anointed with a bile of anointing. One is man-made, one is God-made. And, and God says, David, you have a choice. And just like each and every one of us have a choice, that we can walk in. There's two anointings that you can walk in, and both of them have the all, and both of them have a job to do, and both of them have significance because to be, to be the king's armor bearer was one of the greatest honors that you could have in the kingdom at this point in time in history. So there, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of clout to being the king's armor bearer. But you, if you settle for what man has for you, oh, I feel like preaching this. If you settle into what man's ideology is of you, can I tell you right now, you didn't call me. You didn't anoint me. You didn't call him. You didn't anoint him. And you want to know why I can preach what I preach without fear or favor or what you say? And if I, I ain't worried about hurting your feelings. It's because you didn't call me. And you didn't anoint me. Well, I don't think it ought to be that way. Well, I don't think you ought to sit there like a bump on a log either. And I don't think you ought to, oh, help me, Jesus. I'm meddling again. I don't think you ought to talk about the preacher and say he don't know what he's doing. Listen, as long as that man of God is standing in this pulpit, he's standing with a God-made anointing. You didn't give it to him, and you can't take it away. And you can try to split the church. You can try to start another one right across the road. But a God-made anointing will always outlast a a man-made anointing. A God-made anointing will always outshine a man-made anointing. I'm not operating in your world. I'm operating in his world. The Bible lets us know that after Saul tries to kill David, the Amalekites try to kill David, that his own son Absalom tries to kill David. And, and, and so here's where it gets a little close to home for some of us. Because the devil says, okay, I can't get them from the outside. I'll get them from the inside. I will take the people that are closest to them. And I will try to affect them emotionally. If there was, if there was anything that affected David, it was this idea with Absalom. You don't believe me? Go read your Bible. This, this messed David's mind of Absalom, the whole story of Absalom and, and, and his own daughter and, 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 and Abiah and all of that, 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 that all messed with David. It messed his mind up a little bit. But David, you got to understand that you got an anointing that's going to outlast this dysfunction. So your own son may be trying to kill you. Your own family may be turning their back on you. But I have an anointing on you. That's going to outlast everything that should have, 
could have and would have happened. I have, oh, help me, God. I have something for you, David, that is bigger than the heartache of your family turned their back on. I'm preaching to somebody right now in the Holy Ghost. Uh, I, I, I've got an anointing for you that's bigger than your husband or your wife left you. I got, I got an anointing on you that's bigger than, than your children don't want anything to do with you. I've got an anointing on you, David, that, that's, that's bigger than your mama and daddy don't want anything to do with you. That The anointing that I have for you is not depicted by what people do to you and by what people say to you. Even when they're the people that's the closest to you and can hurt you the worst, uh, Absalom may try to kill you, but Absalom can't kill you, David, because I've called you. You better let Absalom know who his daddy is. You better let Absalom know who I am. Absalom didn't call you. Absalom didn't anoint you. Don't you forget, Absalom, that you're living in the blessing because of who your daddy is. Don't you forget, Absalom, that you're living in an anointing just because of who you're connected to. There's just something, they say there's a first time for everything. Well, that ain't true. There's some stuff just don't happen. Because by all means, David was supposed to die by Absalom. But what Absalom didn't know, and what Goliath didn't know, and what Saul didn't know, is that God was already, God, God is omnipresent. And the omnipresence of God doesn't just mean that, that, that he's in Mississippi and, and, and in Malawi all at the same time. But the omnipresence of God signifies that he's in the past, he's in the present, and he's in the future all at the same time. Literally meaning that God sets outside of time. To be omnipresent means that God is still in creation. He's still at the cross. And he's already at the return of Christ. And he's already in eternity. That's how God works. God is so big that time can... I know this is a little mind-blowing to me. I can't wrap my mind around how big God is that God can still be in the past and already in the future at the same time. But David, I need you to understand that God is omnipresent because when you get that revelation and you walk out against Goliath and you walk out against Saul and you walk out against Absalom that Isaiah is already sitting at his pen in Isaiah 54 and 17 and he's putting pen to paper and saying no weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and the righteousness is of me saith the Lord David you don't understand but there's already a prophet that said every weapon that comes against you it should work it could work it would work but God steps in and says it won't work Bible tells us that there's this there's this goofy guy can I preach a little bit longer I know y'all got to go. I do too. I got the longest drive of anybody here tonight, so don't worry about it. But, but as the Bible tells us of this guy by the name of Ishbibinob. Ishbibinob is a brother of Goliath. And the Bible says that Ishbibinob has a sword. And that sword is thought to have slain David. Ishbibinob is different than Goliath. Goliath fights with brute force. And I wish I had time to talk about it. But there, there are studies that have shown due to biblical writings that, that most probably David or Goliath had what we call as the tall man's disease. And 
the pituitary glands in his brain. It's a good study. You can go do it for yourself. I don't have time to give you the whole thing, but I will tell you a little bit of it. Would cause him to, to be a little unstable. And, and because of these tumors on the pituitary glands of, of these people with the tall man's disease, again, it's what we call it in our modern world, is it would, it would make it to where it's hard for him to see, which is why he would tell David, come up here a little bit closer where I can see you. And it, it, it would explain why his, his staff was so big. The Bible tells us that his spear, when you start reading the dimensions of his spear and start reading the dimensions of how, of how big Goliath was, it's not really a spear. It's more like a walking stick that you can kind of use for a weapon. And so he's a, he's a little uneasy. And again, that's a whole other study for a whole other day and a whole other message for a whole other day. But th- that's not how it works for Ishbibinab. When you study Ishbibinab, you'll find that Ishbibinab was a man that understood how to use a sword. They are some that would say that he was the best swordsmith that, that Gath has ever experienced having in their army. And so Ishbibinab, again, Goliath's just this big brute. He, he, just, he kills people by just being big and ugly and stinky, and he just wraps them up and tears them apart. That's how Goliath works. But that's not how his Bibinob works. His Bibinob understands how to use a sword. He's a giant just like his brother. But he understands that, that, that there's footwork to this. And he understands that you got to have the right balance. And so to have this weapon, this, this sword, that the Bible uses these words that was thought to have slain David, there are studies that will prove to you that he has spent time at the swordsmith. He spent time down at, at, at the forge, and they they would build this sword, brother. And, and as they would build it, he was sitting there while they were you working on a sword. You just don't know it. While he was working on that sword, this Bibinob was sitting there looking, saying, "Yeah, put put me a little bit more weight towards the towards the hilt." And and he'd pick it up, and he'd say, "No, nah, it, it's not sharp enough, and it feels like it's a little unbalanced. Give me a little bit more weight at the tip." Until he finally got the sword to the point to where it was it was perfect, it was balanced, perfect, it was everything that he thought it should be. And then, studies show, I love this part, studies show that he would go back to that blacksmith right before he would go and fight David. And, the, and these studies show that this sword, they've actually found the sword in an archaeological dig, if I can get it out here in a minute. They, they would take this sword and put it back into the fire. And when they would put it in the fire, they would pull it out and they would literally stamp the name of David into the sword. So it is said, the sword thought to have slain David. Ishbibinob had a weapon constructed for one purpose, to kill David. But what he didn't know is no weapon formed against you. Shout. <laughs> I, I can see him standing down there and God's laughing all the time saying, buddy, you're wasting your time. Because it don't matter how many times you beat it. It doesn't matter how many times you pick it up and get the balance right. It doesn't matter how many times you sharpen it. It don't matter how many times you go and you practice and you get all the steps right and you get your feet set right and you learn to thrust and you learn to parry. It don't matter because if you're building that weapon against one of my children, no weapon formed against them shall prosper. I wish there'd be somebody in this house tonight that get it in their spirit and understand you might be fighting depression but no weapon of depression shall prosper and that you might be my
Jesus. You might be fighting hell on every side, but no weapon, no weapon, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That's why David gets right in one of his most famous songs. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For because this is why, for thou art with me. And as long as you're with me, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Put me in the valley, but while I'm in the valley, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Put me in the trial, but while I'm in the trial, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Put me in the lion's den, but while I'm in the lion's den, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Put me in the fiery furnace, but no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Put me in prison, but no weapon formed against me shall prosper. God would write in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 4, for the Lord thy God is merciful, God. He will not forsake thee. There's just some stuff ain't going to shoot have. Could have, probably would have. If I got what I deserved, he'd have left me a long time ago, Brother Ford. But the Lord thy God shall not forsake thee. I wish somebody get this right now. I wish you'd leave tonight knowing that when I get home and all hell breaks loose, that God's in it with me. That, that, that when I get back to that problem on my job, that God's there with me. For thy Lord, thy God, is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee. And then he says, though destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he swear unto them. What God was saying is, although a righteous man fall down, he shall not utterly be cast out. It's the same scripture. It's the same thing being said by God that David said, that even though you made a mistake and you failed and you fall flat on your face no weapon formed against you the only difference in you and a failure is you're not going to stay down you're not rejoice not against me oh my enemy for when I fall I should stay down I could stay down I would stay down but I shall arise I'm getting up out of this mess I'm getting up out of this problem because God has been good and I've got a reason to get up you want to know why don't know why I'm not afraid to get up. Can I preach a little longer if y'all got time? David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. The word righteous here in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word Sadiq, and it means just. And when I get that revelation, it's not hard for me to go to Romans chapter 1, verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God and the salvation, everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. And it is written, the just shall live by faith. You want to know why some things should happen, could happen, and would happen, but didn't happen? Because I'm walking by faith. And I'm not walking by sight. And as long as I keep walking by faith, faith brings the impossible. It, it, it takes the intangible and makes it tangible. It takes the impossible and makes it. Yeah, well, 
Brother Moore, you'll, you'll, you'll learn a little bit better when you start talking about all them big numbers and all that building stuff and all that field stuff. No, it shouldn't happen because, you know, I mean, it's just, we're, like you said, we're in the little country church. Man, it feels good right here by this air conditioner, man. Whew. Y'all need to move that pulpit right here. But, but you, you, you get it. You, you, you shouldn't have revival. By all means necessary, you, you, you can't even have revival. You live in Bendale. So what? God loves Bendale too, baby. The just shall live by faith. And we can build churches in Bendale that are just as big as anything and anywhere. Come on, I, I told y'all the other day, I'm going to tell you again. One of the biggest churches in the state of Mississippi that's apostolic is where my home church is. And if you've ever been there, it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's, it's, in the, it's literally in the middle of a road, in the middle of a field, out in the middle of nowhere. And God, I'm talking about it, it's happening every week. I'm hearing, well, we have five, get the Holy Ghost this week. And so you want to know why? Because when my pastor went there almost 13 years ago with 75 to 80 people, he looked at it and said, you know what? I don't care how country it is. I don't care how back in the woods it is. I believe, God, that one day we're going to run over 300. And he would get in the pulpit and preach one day we're going to have over 300 members. You know what he's doing now? He's saying one day we're going to I'll have over a thousand members one day you want to know why because you get what you speak and if you live by faith if you walk by faith and not by sight you get what you preach I would to God every time you come to church you start looking well, well there's 14 parking spots yeah but I got to park way in the back because I'm just looking for someone I, I, I'm looking for a parking spot and there's seven right here no they're not they're fielding Jesus now What's happening to you? I've lost my mind and I've gained the mind of Christ and now I'm not walking by faith. and I'm not walking by what I see. I'm walking by faith. I'm walking by what I can't see. Because I'm going to tell you, should have, could have, would have, but didn't is a big powerful concept. And I know it's kind of a funny way to put it, but it's a powerful concept in the word of God because there's a lot of stuff that could have and should have and would have happened. But let me say it again, no weapon formed against me. I'm going to spell it out real slow. Shall prosper. I hope you go to bed tonight saying no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I hope you get up at 2 o'clock in the morning to eat your milk and cookies. And when you get past that mirror, you look yourself in the eye and say no weapon formed against me shall prosper. It don't matter what happens, what comes my way, I'm going to be victorious. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I'm trying to hurry musicians get up here because if you don't, I'll preach all night. But Acts chapter 28, prime example of should have, could have, would have, but God. And it is here that Paul, the apostle, is in an island called Malta. And, and the Bible says that he is shipwrecked. And as he is shipwrecked, he's there. The Bible says they're cold. So they start building a fire. And while they're building a fire, a viper 
comes out and attaches itself to his hand. Should have. Could have. Would have. But God. And, and go read your Bible. Acts 28. It's interesting. The Bible says that there are barbarians that are there. And, and the barbarians are watching Pastor Moore. And you know what the Bible says? This, this is the exact wording of the Bible in Acts chapter 28 and verse 6. And they looked upon him, and when he should have swollen or fell down dead, they're scratching their heads saying, should have. Anytime now. He's, he's got to die sometime. He just got bit by a viper. Would you hurry up and die? They're watching him. I, I, I just can Again, this is my little Sunday school brain running off with me. Y'all just have to bear with me. But they're watching him saying, any moment. And Paul just keeps on stacking sticks. Oh, y'all didn't know? No weapon. God said I was going to Rome. And I'm going to Rome. And the shipwreck can't stop me. Because no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And the viper can't stop me because no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And watch what happens. There's a conversion that happens there by the by people that don't believe in God by people that are barbarians there's a conversion that happens there they fall down and they begin to worship because of what they're seeing that should have happened that could have happened and that would have happened but God said no weapon formed against you it's going to prosper no Paul when I've got an expected end for you it shall come to pass Isaiah said it like this. He will go before you and make every crooked place straight. Should have, could have, would have. But God, I, I wonder if I wonder how how scary it would be if God would pull back the veil of eternity and show you every time that you should have died and could have died, but God stepped in. And said, no weapon formed against you. I told you, I'm going to say it till you get it so down in your spirit that it's all you can think about. No weapon formed against you shall pro- What I, I wonder what kind of praise you would have tonight coming into the house of God, understanding that on the way to church I could have died because God just pulled back the veil just a little bit and let me see that, that big, that, yeah, 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 that, that, that big water puddle that I hydroplaned on that was supposed to send me into a pine tree at 45 or 50 miles an hour and I was supposed to die, but God! No weapon. You, you want to know what you ought to do tonight on a Sunday night? You ought to step out of your pew uh, and give God praise uh, for what you haven't seen. Uh, there ought to be something inside of you that says, God, right now, I praise you because i never seen the righteous forsaken uh, or a seed begging for bread. Uh, God, right now, I praise you because I know uh, that it's in you uh, that the only reason I'm here is because you've been God. 
Is there anybody with a praise on a Sunday night uh, that says, I've never seen the righteous uh, forsaken uh, or a seed uh, begging for bread? I wish you'd stop waiting on the music uh, and stop waiting on the singers uh, and let a praise uh, come out of you. Uh, let a praise uh, erupt out of this place uh, that says, I'm here because God kept me. I'm here because no weapon uh, formed against me uh, shall prosper. Somebody clap your hands and give him praise. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph.
Can you believe what the man of God said tonight? Shoulda, coulda, woulda, but no weapon. Come on, no weapon. Every one of us can look in our lives and we can see the time where the enemy would have sown us to destruction and it would have took us down to the pit and it would have put us and got us mired down in the miry clay and would have destroyed us but God I said but God had his hand on you and he had his hand on me and he's working right now and he wants you to know you got power you got power through him for your own violence you don't walk by your side, but you walk by faith. Yes, he's Not got by the power. Everybody say, God's got the power. Yes, he's got the power. God's got the power. Yes, he's got the power. Say, God's got, God's got the power. Yes, he's got the power. Yes, he's got the power. One more time, say. Yes, he's got the power. 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 Yes,
power. Yes, he's got the power. what you're feeling or what you're not feeling God's got the power I'm glad there's another name called Jesus that's written on our sword that defiles and defeat every enemy and every weapon that rises up against us God's got the power I think we ought to do that just a little more they call it rapid if they want to I tell you God's got the power you need to leave this house with assurance in your heart mind and spirit when that devil shows his head tomorrow God's got the power God's got the power God's got me God's got me God's got me you ought to die in the wreck but you didn't you ought to die in the wreck but you didn't There ought to be more graves in that graveyard, but there's not. <laughs> I'm telling you, we're serving an awesome God here tonight. Working on our behalf and helping us along this journey. Keeping us. Blessing us. And bringing us out on the other side. My, 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 what a word we've heard in this house tonight. Praise God ministering unto us. With the power of the scriptures. Lord bless you. You may be seated. God bless each one of you. Thank God. Brother Phillips, what an awesome job preaching and ministering to us. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you something though. I don't want to just be a hearer, hearer of it and then just, no, no later than tomorrow, it just kind of slips away. No, I want it to anchor into my heart, my mind, and spirit. Amen. It'd be available and ready. Even tomorrow, when that old enemy wants to raise up his old head and say, oh, no, God's got the power. Amen. And you know what? I'm going to trust him. He's brought me this far. What makes you think he's going to fail me now? He's kept me this long. What do you think? Amen. He's not going to fall. He's not going to walk out. No, not this God. In fact, the Bible's right the opposite. He said he's a very present help in the time of trouble. If he can show up in trouble times, he can surely show up in good times. Amen. What an awesome God we serve tonight. Love and appreciate all of you.